Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. We're making it your business here at 1823 Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland Resort Hotel. It's basically amazing here inside. I mean, you don't even ever have to leave. You could just live here for the rest of your life inside <laughs> of so this true, uh, resort. Um, we are here live at the AT Studio. Oh, yeah. The Edup Experience is broadcasting, and we're being filmed. Um, I look fantastic on film. Elvin, it's 50-50, what we think, but that's right. You know I still love you. A wee bit. A, a wee, wee bit. bit. A wee bit. Um, we're, we're here. We've got amazing guests in front of us, and we've got a returning guest oh, here. Yeah. I think he literally ran here from uh, from the St. Louis or yes. wherever he came from. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. He's the one and only Ray Blackwood, Vice President of Product Management at Anthology. Ray, what is happening? Thank you so much, Joe. You know, I, I could have run from that, that post, which is about 10 feet away, and I'd still be this high. <laughs> <laughs> working, working remotely has not done, um, oh, yeah, done justice. Yeah. Right? I used to work on the university Don't be so campus hard yourself. Come on. where we had no offices, and that was very helpful because you were always packing up your stuff. You had to be totally yeah. nomadic, you know, and go from place <laughs> to place. And then now I just... Uh, but but I will say, despite all of that, Ray has the best oh, podcast voice. By far. By oh, far. thank you so much. Yeah, it is a episode. very, very good very podcast good. voice. Yep. We're here. Where are we? We're at Anthology. Together. Oh, yeah. You like, that? You like together. Anthology together? Uh, 1823. We're, we're going to talk about Anthology. I love it, Ray. Right? 1823. It never gets that good again, I guess. 1824 doesn't have the same ring. Uh -uh. <laughs> but it'll still be just as good. Uh, Ray, Ray, of course, is a system builder and a VP for product management and Anthology a growing billion dollar organization with massive amounts of clients. How you keep it all straight, I don't know. But Ray, you know how it works here at the Edup Experience, and I just want to remind you. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. <laughs> just in case there is any question on how this works. <laughs> no, no, no. It is so, not I know. Uh, so your team's celebrating pretty good results lately. I have been able to see what they are and some of, uh, some of the detail, but I would like you to talk about those results. Yeah, it's been a really good year for Anthology Student Joe. I'm not going to lie. You know, we have lie. invested <laughs> so much. Uh, I mean, if you've been a customer for a while, for ours for a while, you know that you know we've gone through some evolutionary transformations. Mm -hmm. And over the last year specifically, we have really leaned into uh, embracing the SaaS offerings that we have and doing more consistent and increasing our velocity and increasing the number of features that we put out on a more consistent basis. And that's really about responding to the customers. I mean, we've delivered more than 200 features. Um, some of the things I'm most excited about is uh, we have a new prereq co-rec engine that makes uh, administering and managing prerequisites and co-requisites across a large catalog of, of courses much easier than it was in the past nice. where you had to go to each individual course and set it up. Now you can do it in bulk. Wow. We've uh, added batch conferral degrees which again, a very a process where you're looking at a lot of student data and you're doing it one by one. Now we can yep. queue those things up and get those processes done really quickly. Nice. <clears throat> and uh, with faculty workload management, we've added a ton of features to really help ensure that faculty are getting paid for the work that they're doing, that they're loaded correctly, mm -hmm. that the school knows what their, their faculty load looks like and the impact that has on their benefits and things like that. We've hired over 100 new professional services implementation people because we're growing so much. Whoa. And for the ninth consecutive year, we've continued to grow our market share in the North American business, and we've had a great year internationally. So overall, really excited about the progress that we've made and the success that we've had in the last year. 
Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. You talk about velocity. Nice. Uh, velocity of product, of offerings. of What's fueling velocity with speed? I mean, speed is important, right? It's almost a differentiator these days because technology is moving so fast. Yeah, well, so, you know, we took a product that was well-established, and it, but it was on older technology. So moving it into the web, moving it into SaaS, having this um, you know, promise of continuous delivery. But you, when you come from a monolithic software, like a big ERP solution that touches so much things, there's some fear that's behind updates, right? I mean, you know, I think about my old IT days, you would never take the version of Microsoft. You'd always wait for a patch or maybe the second one. Exactly. And that's not the world that we live in. There's not like, well, I'm going to wait and sit back and see how people are going to accept this release. So the, the demand for quality and performance and continuous improvement is on us. So you actually go faster by going a little bit slower. So you don't release as much every release, but you make sure that what you do is working and it's quality and people know what to expect. And then when you do that over a consistent period of time and you look back, you realize, oh my gosh, we've just delivered 200 features, but it felt like nothing that was that monumentous but that, at a specific point let, let me let me just drill down on that because what you said is like it's mind-blowing what to think about you could have said you know technology of the past you sit you sit back you wait for a patch it's not working patch is going to come out six months from now i'm going to sit back and wait i'm not going to invest in new technology the expectation on the technology company is faster delivery but but delivery almost it's in instantaneous in a way that gets me and it's got to be right. It's not like the pat the patch will be off and you need a 2.0 patch or a 3.0. It's like I need it now and it needs to be really, really done well. And doesn't that set, what I'm getting at is, is the infrastructure to do that need to change? Like you look at product, product management, your product, your product, what maintenance and innovation people do. Have you had to change the model to do that? Yeah, we've, we've had to change. But at the same time, we have also had to have the uh, the patience and the empathy for institutions that are not ready for that change. Mm. I mean, yes, sir. a system that's been around for a while, we have customers that still host their own infrastructure and they can only they only have it in their IT budgets to do one or two updates a year. But that's because of where they came from and their infrastructure and all those things. Moving that on-prem world, that infrastructure world to the cloud takes all of that stress and burden and stuff away. And even for them, they have to figure out, well, what do I do now? If I'm not going to stay up for 48 hours for an upgrade and I'm just going to get a ticket, your system's being upgraded tonight, upgrade complete. How do I react to that? Yeah, you know, so it's, yeah. it's not just change in being able to support a continuous delivery model, a hybrid model and support the customers that are not yet quite ready because we have to have solutions to do all those things at the same time. So, uh, so yeah, there's definitely new skill. We have to think differently. We have to implement differently. Uh, we have to provide release notes in a different way. Yeah. So it's, what it's a is uh, on-prem and in the cloud for, for somebody who's listening and going, what are they talking about? What on-prem SaaS cloud? I mean, what is the talk to me? Like I've never heard of this before. So, uh, if you remember, I don't know if you even want to go back. To I don't it. remember much <laughs> these days. I, I think about, you know, remember they used to mail you uh, uh, an AOL 
CD. Yes, I remember Error. that. Mm-hmm. Error. And uh, or you would you would buy like uh, maybe Adobe uh, Photoshop, or you buy Office, and it would come with this big like mega hard set of DVDs, and you yes. sit there oh, yeah. and you'd plug them in one by one, and you yep. install it on the computer, oh, yeah. uh, and then so, so basically outrageous. When you have your technology infrastructure on campus, and you have a big server room. You're basically having to install yourself that application on application servers and get people access to it versus I log into Gmail and it's just on the browser or I open up Chrome and maybe sometimes I notice there's an update word in the corner Mm -hmm. and it just turns it off and turns it back on and then it's done. And that's the difference. The difference is the process of laying down or installing software on a computer or a server and giving access to it versus I go to a website and it's just always available and it's always on the latest version. So is is the um, onus on me as the institution when I've got on-prem, I've got to have a different infrastructure to upgrade my systems than I do in the cloud where I'm really relying more on anthology to do the work, right? Absolutely. The craziest thing for me. Uh, and there's a lot of crazy things <laughs> about you. Was, um, an on an institution that has those servers, they actually have to have probably no no less than four, but 10 to 15 physical servers that distribute all the components of the software on. And in the cloud, where we deploy in the cloud, there are no servers. Ooh, and so don't I like it. What, is. what do you mean there's no servers? How do no. I log into my information security server? There isn't one anymore. It's a platform service. And that means it scales and you don't have to have load. Balance. So the technical... Um, overhead is less and yeah. the complexity is less. Well, that, that complexity is just hidden between in, in Azure. And we actually don't even write installers anymore. We just say, uh, deploy the software to the institution and it just goes. That's awesome. That sounds a lot better That's for the awesome. institution. It, it is <laughs> right. a lot better. It sounds a lot better. And it's, uh, you know, you get things uh, delivered faster, fixed faster. You see, um, and and at the end of the day, you just show up and you use the tool and you don't have to use and manage the tool. Hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. A beautiful fact. It is. It's very good. And, you know, I, but I do want to say, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I think about all the advances in technology and institutions, how we choose technology, even features. If you think about the anthology feature set, it's not like you're like choosing from a menu of three items. It's not an in and out burger menu. There are so (laughs) many functions. Why? Because there's so many institutions and so many different types of stakeholders and so many different types of requests for so many different types of systems and processes. And anthology strives to meet everybody where they are right? right anticipate the needs so there's this gigantic menu of services how do you pick you know how do you tailor functions to a university well it over the last few years we've we've had to learn some things because we started off uh, serving uh, institutions that were very career focused uh, their programs were very linear Mm-hmm. Their outcomes were very clear. Come here to be a nurse. Yeah. Come here to be a and pilot. And take these classes in order. And right. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the large online models, like if you look at the large online schools, students don't register. Right. You say, look, I am a working adult. I just need to complete this part of my educational journey so I can get to the next step of my personal career. And what's limiting me is... I never finished that associates. I never finished that bachelor's. Mm. I need to get a master's to hit that next level. And I don't have the time to do all of those things. And so our, our foundation was 
our assumption, our fundamental assumption in the product was that students enroll to complete. Hmm. So then we start going into different types of institutions, uh, community colleges, faith-based institutions, liberal arts colleges, where that isn't so clear. Success, student success could mean a student enrolled in a course and finished it. It's fuzzy math. Yes, that's absolutely <laughs> it. Right, and so um, we were a highly configurable system. And highly configurable is great because you can meet those different needs of the institutions, but at the same time, they're looking for change and advice, and they're looking for us as a vendor who supplies this technology to help guide them and like, well, how should I be running this process? Yeah. What is the optimization? Yeah. So what we've been doing is we spent the last year um, looking at best practices, the best configuration for the type of students that you have, the types of programs that you have, this is the best configuration. And the reason is, is because, you know, if you're gonna enroll a student, keep them in for 13 weeks, get them a certificate, Here's how you do that. If you're gonna enroll a student and the student doesn't know what they want to do by the end of college, much less in their life, how do you have the flexibility for them to navigate that journey without making mistakes, uh, without going into too much debt, without getting the wrong credit, without being confused? And so, you know, it's, it's a balancing act. And it's really about understanding the institution, the type of student that they serve, the experience that they want their student to have, and optimizing those configurations to meet that institution or programmatic need. You know, Ray, I got to say, that's a very smart answer. And one thing, before we started recording, I said to Elvin, you know, do you know Ray? And he said you had met him. And I said, Ray whispered in my ear, and this is what he said to me before we started the episode. I am the smartest man alive! <laughs> I was like, now I'm proving it, <laughs> proving it to me. I'm totally blown away. Um, so, but how do I stay current on the features? Okay. So you've got best practices. You, you have, maybe it's like type institutions. Here's a best practice. Um, and, and maybe my first question is, let me ask this in, in first and then get to the second part. Highly configurable to me means almost at some point, highly uncontrollable because who, where do you say no? If somebody says, I want, I want to customize so-and-so and you keep customizing, customizing, customizing. That's like, you've lost control of your own internal processes. And as a institution, of, but somebody just broke another plate. Exactly. Uh, they freaked out. As, as an institution uh, in higher education, you have to maintain some guardrails. It doesn't matter what you do. You have to have some basic guardrails, but, but there are still features that I have to choose from and I have to stay up to date on them. So how do you develop a culture of staying current on new futures if you're an institution? Well, one of the, the best parts about being a modern class SAS version is that you are getting the most current version of the software all the time, whether you take the new features or not. One of the challenges as schools transform and they go, and implementation is not you know, a three month process. It is a, a yes. challenging moment for the institution. It can take up to two years yep. and it can develop some type of fatigue. But the thing to remember about higher ed, right, is we work on these cycles. Mm -hmm. We have, we're recruiting, we're, you know, have our, our freshman class come in, we're all excited, they go through the classes and then they go through our graduation every year. And it's fairly cyclical, it's absolutely cyclical. And so the whole thing is like my, my last job, right? So make every department better every year. Make every system better every year. You're not going to know how all the features work when we had that SAO when we did that implementation. Yeah. You're going to get up and running so you're operational on the new system. So, And a SAO would be statement of work statement in of case work. you're yeah. wondering. Oh, I was sorry, wondering, sorry, what I'm, is that? Yeah, yeah, it's not a pig. 
Uh, no, okay. So the culture on campus. So one of the things that was really beneficial when I was running uh, anthology student at my campus is that I learned very quickly that whether we like it or not, people play a major part at the institution. Mm. And you've got admissions, you've got financial aid, you've got academic operations, you've got faculty senate, you've got the the leadership, you've got career services and student services and culture and fundraising and all different types of things. And they all have their own Nailed agendas. It. But they're working off the same system and they don't always understand how what they are doing impacts another That's department. So, so I so go true. put on I a configuration so and all of a sudden my course fees are missing. Yes. Right. Or I had a situation one time where my registrar and my financial aid director, they just couldn't get along. I like both of them, I just didn't understand. But the reality was the registrar was changing school statuses in between her submission of the National Clearinghouse enrollment reporting. And so her enrollment reports would always get rejected because what she submitted and what was there was getting changed. And so um, they didn't understand. I was like, oh, she's always messing with my work. And like, I don't like what she's doing, you know. Error. And, uh, and mm -hmm. so when they understood that their work impacted each other, we were able to make the date. So, it's I, all a beholden. It's all, they're all so much sorts of dependencies in higher ed. So, um, so to help break down the political barriers and the silos, mm -hmm. it's to not get the managers per se, but the fun the top functional users, the people that are really in the trenches yes. together once a month, and instead of like focusing entirely on the features of the student information system, it's about what is your business doing, what are your goals, what are you trying to improve. And now you have a collection of people who share a common tool, who understand each other's goals and desires and challenges. Yeah. Now, when we can incorporate, okay, what's out in these new features, what's happening in Anthology Student, where are they making investments? Are these areas that would help us achieve our goals? How do we set that up? How do we, and how do we come to this together? I think Joe, that is how, from a culture perspective, you help have continuous improvement over time at the institution, you embrace the uh, cycles that you go through and you respect each other and understand and value each other's position or, or what the departments contribute to the educational experience. And those types of engagements help so much in staying current and keeping on top of innovation and finding ways. I mean, you can design a process and it looks great on paper. You implement it two semesters later, you got to hire four people to maintain yep. it. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that wasn't as good on paper as it ended up turning out to be. How do we go back and optimize that? And this is so true, um, by the way, during implementation. Because during implementation, it can expose holes in your institution, you know, whole process holes. And those process holes were, were filled by, usually filled by bad process. And when that bad process goes away because anthology can do something it's like well who owned this process now this bad process doesn't have anything to fill the gap well who's in charge of this you or you or you and then these people you know they don't work together and then that makes the implementation take longer mm. it's rougher um so it's so true what you're saying that we yeah. don't always understand the parts of the business that's a, that goes all the way up to the top in my opinion if you don't understand the business your people aren't going to understand the business. And that's when I think one of the leadership things in higher ed, we've got to do a better job of making sure that everybody understands that it's a flywheel. It's yeah. not silos. Yeah. It's yeah. a flywheel. And we do a bad job, I think, sometimes in higher ed because we get so like, this is financial aid. And I, you know, I can't do my job if you don't do yours. Yeah. Well, I'm responsible for all those other jobs in financial aid. Even though I'm processing the aid, the student, if it's the student's perspective, we all fail or we all succeed, right? And that's that's the cultural point that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, 
One of my favorite things is when people turn on analytics for the first time mm. and they see their data and they realize that they've been extracting data, putting it in Excel and making the data look right. And now it looks real. <laughs> and they're like, this is wrong. Wait, hold on. They I can't massage say, it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Say that again. Does your data right, look right time. or is it real? Come on, say it again. <laughs> is right, it come. right or is it real? I love that. Right. I love yeah. that. Um, because then you will like, learn by the numbers. I will <laughs> teach you. Yeah, exactly. So, right that, but that's one of the things you're talking about. So one of the things in having these technology systems that are connected all the time, it helps bring real, the, the, the output of the real processes yeah. that are actually happening on campus and not the ones that are perceived are the ones that we're reporting on. And those can always be hard conversations because yes, people own, this is people's jobs. They yep. get up every single day and they try to go to work and do their best and love students and help them. And when you expose things that aren't perfect or could be better, that can hurt people's feelings oh, sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And so it's super safe to have a, a, a safety culture where people feel like they're respected for what they contribute and what they do. And they're, and they're not talking about the features, the functions of the bugs or the incidents in the mm -hmm. product, but they're talking about, you know, this week we've, we've been packaging, we packaged 250 students. We got our average packaging to 17, you know, 17 and a half minutes. That's down from 19 minutes from before. And we think that we can handle an incoming class of 325. And we're probably going to only see the increase about two to three minutes per package. But we're looking at ways that we can get this down to like 10 minutes a package. Yeah. And those are fake numbers of what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah, so when still, you're talking yeah. about that part, and people wow. are looking at how I'm working and what the output is and what we're trying to improve in goals. That makes all the conversations about, well, what can we do with these features? What can we do? What are the automations yeah. that we're doing? Is wow. there a report that we can provide that reduces yeah. that amount of time yeah. or, or whatever? Yeah. I love that. Um, you got to remember. We're in this one together. Absolutely. Together. In, in higher ed, it's the truth. Uh, if you didn't know, this gentleman here is a little bit famous these days in higher ed. He was interviewed by Times Higher, higher Education, Alvin, Whoa, talking about nice. CIS systems, of course, student information systems, um, making it easier for universities to prepare graduates for the workforce. Ray, what's this all about? Tell us. The right CIS can promote student success by helping learners plot their educational pathway and keep them engaged. How does that work, Ray? Tell me more about that. So for a long time, we've been working on tools like degree audit. Ooh. One of the, even Ray is yeah. breaking plates <laughs> because the insights are so made. Degree audit is such an important critical tool to have a reflection of what the students have completed and what's left to, yes. to, to remain. So critical. But it still like leaves that gap. Like these are all the things they need to do, but when do I need to do them? So. The idea of pathways emerged and a pathway is a proactive forward-looking tool for students where they can actually see, okay, these are all the classes and all the things that I need to do to complete my degree. We talked earlier about how at yeah, some of the career-focused schools, they don't, students don't do that. They come up, they, they show know. up, they just they go, know, they work, yeah. and they they get skilled, and then they go get a job. But a lot of institutions, you'll see 40 to 60% of the coursework being student choice or in electives. Mm. So what path does a student take? And so what we've been doing and by pulling in occupation insight data or skills data tying skills to courses and those courses, those courses or those skills are then tied to uh, potential occupations assigned to that degree is now students can start to see, OK, I've got to choose 15 classes. What are the skills in the different classes and how is that going to help me either get more informed or more prepared or more interested in the career that I'm going after? Mm. And that can change over time. And so yeah. the pathway is really about a, a a way for students to be curious, to plot their journey from the beginning to the end uh, with more information, more clarity than they would have for just having a degree. Odd says you need to have, you know, 
seven more credits of math or, you know, more writing intensive courses or more, you know, critical thinking courses in order to graduate. This actually lays out and ties the skills with the requirement rules with the options that a student has that they can start planning out in their first semester. So when you create a mental model of yourself being successful, like you're playing a game and if I beat this level, I get that achievement yes, and now I can put those boots like on that. and now yeah. I can go fight that monster. Yeah. Same sort of principle applies is as a student, I'm now seeing myself successfully complete this semester and that semester and I don't have to take that class. I now get to take that class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when students start to have a tool and the ability to think that way, they retain more, they're more engaged and we can help better prepare them. Oh, that's impactful. I love that, Ray. Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an insightful podcast with the one, the only. He's Ray Blackwood. He's Vice President of Product Management at Anthology and uh, now a two-time guest. Two-time? Yes, yeah, second two-time. Nice. Second two-time guest. Maybe uh, that... you've had like 4,000 episodes, so it might be hard to remember. <laughs> uh, we're a little short. We're a little short of the 4,000 mark these days. That's awesome. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you, if you are thinking about Anthology, if you are an Anthology within Anthology or an Anthology user, Ray is one of the best people yes. you could talk with. Not only does he know every resource that Anthology has, by the way, uh, but he is just a genuine, all-around great guy and happy to know him. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, you've just head up.